H1 is in the building and I'm about to be running it back with another episode. We are going to be talking about chess wisdom, chess understanding, chess knowledge, chess psychology, like we do in all these episodes. But the specific thing that we're going to be talking about in this episode is that fighting spirit in chess, which fighting spirit is a thing. And I believe that 99% of the players that play chess don't have this fighting spirit. Okay. You can quote me on that. Quote me on that by H1. I I wish somebody would neglect that quote by H1 because I think it's true. We can talk about this. If you want to hop on the podcast, message me on my Instagram. Okay. Message me on my Instagram, H1 Chess. Message me on my Facebook, Chess Knowledge with H1. Because I do have social media. Or message me on Anchor. Anchor.fm. Okay? If you if you have any questions, do that. I'm on all that. But just to continue. So the main things I'm going to be sharing with you today. Is my experience at a Rockers tournament. Talking about fighting spirit. Um, the second thing I'm going to be talking about is. T- don't lose interest in winning a game winning the game is the all-time goal of each match and i will explain that i know it might be confusing right now but i will explain that pretty soon and the last thing don't back down no matter what challenge that you're going to be facing no matter if it's your biggest fear or if it's your biggest temptation don't your biggest weakness don't let that hinder you don't let that hinder you it's just like a scary movie what if they would have actually punted that little girl what if they would have actually fought back jason what if they would have actually i can't think of any other scary movies like hit the doll what is that doll you know the doll's name but anyway don't back down from challenges don't do that which especially with chess okay so we're gonna be explaining all these things in this episode so stay tuned listen carefully and please please follow this podcast so that you can be updated on when i when i drop an episode i want you to be updated i want you to be the first person that i talk to that is in your ear okay so let's get to it mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, yes, the tournament, the tournament for me to explain the fighting spirit. But what is fighting spirit in chess? Well, the fighting spirit is the fire in your eyes to try to win each and every game, no matter what. That's the fire that I am talking about. And 
one experience that I can give is at this Rockhurst tournament, this chess tournament that I was attending. And it was my senior year. And I did not want to lose this Rockhurst tournament since it's K through 12 and it's my senior year. And usually on your senior year, that that's you, you can't face kids after that anymore. You, you only got one chance when it's your senior year. OK, but this is what happened. I went uh, on the school bus again, but this was near um, this was near the school. So I was like, hey, not not a four hour long trip. It was like actually 30 minutes. So I was with my team, with my coach. We got the school bus. We started going to the tournament, this big Rockhurst tournament. And this school was massive. It had all the re- all the um, rewards for everything. Like, y- you name it, it had it. And I was super surprised because their school was definitely better than the school that I was learning at. And, and just, just by as- the aesthetics of the school, I was pleased but anyway this is my senior year tournament we're specifically going to talk about the last match that i had at this tournament i was um i was with the team we was doing pretty good we wanted to get first place and at this last round we was there to get first place we was almost there but i just had to win this one round and my other teammates had to win their rounds too but i just knew I wanted to get the first place for my team and I wanted to get the first place for myself, the first place trophy for myself. So I approached this game with the attitude of I'm going to win no matter what. I have to win. There's no doubt about it. And before this, I would like to say just from past experience, the, the last year that I went to this Rockers tournament, the last year I went to this Rockhurst tournament, I won the first three games and I lost the last two. And that was a disappointing, tragic. OK, and I'll explain that story another time. But let me just say that that ended badly and I wanted to redeem myself. That's why the next year that I came here, I was training my butt off. I was training so hard. I was doing tactic puzzles just before my senior year. I already knew that I wanted to win at every tournament and I needed to just dig deep in my chess knowledge. I need to dig for the gems and I needed to stay up late, um, studying books, studying games and just and just inspiring to be a grandmaster one day that was that was my dream in high school just aspiring to be just a a great player a great chess master and i might have lost some sleep i might have got some very bad grades in some in some classes i'm not gonna lie i wasn't a school person i can tell you i wasn't a school person because my senior year i got all c's even though it was some of my classes were college course classes and i got c's in them and partially, it, it was due to chess because I, that's how much I was training. Don't do that. I don't suggest that. Don't sacrifice your education for recreation or hobbies. Don't. You got to balance out your life. You got to place a calendar, time it out, all, all that good stuff that teachers will tell you. But that's how intense that I was as a senior in high school, just trying to win at this chess tournament. It was the last match. It was the fifth round. I 
got to the board. I was the white pieces. I was at the first board. Okay, and let me explain this. The first board is the board that that is the best players out of the whole tournament because winners face winners and losers face losers. That's how the chess tournament goes. And I was the I was the number one at the time. And then I saw my opponent. I forgot his name, but I did not forget his description. It was as he was coming over to go to the black pieces, he sat down and I was like, hey, what's your name? And then I saw him and I asked him what his name because I was doing a notation and I had to put his name in a notation slot that says his name. And it was a middle schooler. You got to understand this for a second. A middle schooler was at the number one board in the high schooler section. Now, I just said a lot of bad things about this situation. That middle schooler could have been a prodigy. By my chess, by my chess experience, I was afraid of kids. You should be afraid of playing kids nowadays because kids know everything about chess. This is how easy it is for kids to learn how to play chess or to pick it up. This is why it's easy for kids to play and it's harder for adults to learn. Kids can just sponge anything. It's like it's so easy for them just to sponge all the knowledge in while they're in elementary. And then they just make chess second nature when they get into the their teenager years. And so, yeah, I was a little bit afraid, even though I was a senior and I, I still had to have, have confidence that I was going to beat this kid. No, I was not going to back down from this kid. That was not my intention. But I had to not go easy on him. And plus, you got to understand chess is not a kind game. So, yes, my main intention was to still humiliate my opponent no matter what because I'm not trying to be kind we play chess and the worse the the worse we treat our opponent the more praise we get for the game that's that's just how chess works and that's why there's game of the year game of the century and then the player that lost that game is like dang I feel bad but that was a beautiful game that's just how chess goes and so I was kind of nervous but we played the game and I remember playing the game, playing the opening. He was great. He was developing pieces. I already knew that his tactics was on fleek. So I did not do a tactical opening. Usually to kids, kids are very tactical. Usually kids play a lot of tactics games or do a lot of tactic puzzles. So I did not want to go into any technical opening where the kid could like beat me in some tactics. That would be a horrible way to lose. So I did the most solid thing that I could do. I did the London. The London was my go-to because it's not, it's more positional than tactical. So I did the London in that game and he, he faced it straight on and I was doing my little maneuvering, make sure that my pieces were at its optimal spot I was making sure the quality of my pieces were sufficient enough to battle my opponent. All my pieces, I was making sure my king was castled. And I was just easing my way into just getting these temporary advantages on the chessboard. 
and it seemed like he was too. And we got into this end game. This end game was pretty complicated. And it didn't make me feel good that we even reached the end game. The position was completely equal against a middle schooler. And I've been playing chess way longer than him. So this kid had a lot of um, knowledge about the opening middle game. But I was just banking, banking on the fact that maybe, just maybe, H1 can pull a win in the end game because I know I hated studying end games when I was a young kid and I didn't study them because I just wanted to win in the middle game. And I was just hoping that the kid did not know his end game stuff. So, I went down some some moves. I even repeated some moves, just making sure he was doing the right moves. And we repeated some moves. And we was getting down on time pressure. And we was both down like 10 minutes. And I forgot to say the time control, but the time control was about 30 minutes in like a five-second delay. I was trying to win... And I was hoping that time pressure would be on my side, too, because when I play chess, so I was hoping in in this game, two things that this kid did not study in games and that he's not used to being down on time pressure. And I knew and I knew that I was confident at this one moment when this kid got startled. And I knew that this kid got startled because he offered me a draw. Yes, he offered me a draw on an equal position. We both had two rooks. We had about six or five pawns on the board still. The game was not done. We still had our major pieces on the board, but he offered a draw because I don't know why. I don't know why he offered a draw. But in my head, when somebody offers a draw, I just want to continue the game. You don't you don't accept the draw. I don't care how old this kid is. I don't care if this kid was a grandmaster. I was going to beat this kid to a pulp on this chessboard, even though we only had two rooks and the game was completely equal and our kings were our both of our kings were active. So we continued playing and just a few moves more. He was thinking about his move just one minute more than I was and I'm figuring out okay my moves are a little bit sharper so let me go into some more tactical stuff in this end game and I was doing some trickery moves and he thought a while longer and then his time was getting getting down his time was going down and down and down and I was getting more confident in my moves and I was playing just a little bit faster just to pressure put the pressure on him i did not want to relieve the pressure and waste all the time that i built up by doing fast precise moves they they might not have been the best moves but i can tell that they was like the third or fourth best move or not not even probably that but i can tell that i wasn't doing a blunder or a bad move so i kept on going he got down to one minute And he messed up. He messed up because his time kept on going down and he watched the clock 
and he did a blunder his next move. And then I knew he did a blunder and that and I snatched that opportunity. And then I beat this kid, this middle schooler. I beat him the last match. Everybody was surrounding our table. Everybody was watching. And they saw it. And I saw all their faces. It was like, ugh, you shouldn't have did that. that. That's what their facial expressions were. It was it was pretty quiet. And they wasn't like directly around the board. They was far from the board still. But they saw this match. And I was excited. And then he said, good game. He resigned. And then I shook his hand. We set off the board. I got up and I was super happy. I was super happy still. I, it's not like I declined the draw because I didn't respect the kid. No, no, no. Because in chess, you still have to have that fight in spirit no matter who you're playing. I respected him even more because I declined it. I res- I feel like that I respect my opponents if I continue on playing just to make sure that they're doing it all right. Here's the thing. Grandmasters offer draws all the time. Top grandmaster. I mean over 2,600. When you're over 2,600, yeah, do, do the draw thing. Yeah, offer a draw. But if you're under that, you should not be offering draws. You don't know when or how to do it yet you don't know what's a good position what's a bad position if there's still major pieces on the board and you're offering a draw then you're in the wrong you're not respecting your opponent you're being you're being scared from the situation but in this moment i just want to say at sharing this experience it made me think about something it just made me think about mistakes catches up with people that are not confident in their play If you're not confident in your play, if you're not confident that you can beat somebody in time pressure or you're not confident that you can end the game, um, especially a difficult or complicated end game like a rook rook end game. If you're not confident in your end game or you're not confident in your middle game or even your opening, you got to you got to get that self-esteem. You can't be a punk in chess. You got to reach out and just be the best you. You got to go beyond your limits, beyond your capabilities, always in chess. And that's what I learned from this tournament. After it, I got first place and my team got first place. And we went home, our team, our Raytown team, and we was happy. And always when we're going home on the school bus, we would sing the champion song because we were the champions and we've been training every week and I've been training daily and it was a win, especially from the last year that I played that tournament. I, it's such a good experience when you're going with the team and y'all all had the common goal to win and do a good job. And I was just proud of myself. Like it could have turned out differently. What if I would have just accepted a draw and just been like, uh, this kid is probably better than me. I, this kid rating, he's been playing a while in the Rockhurst tournaments and probably been playing better people than me. If I would have just been a punk like that, then I would have never got the win. I wouldn't have got that experience of winning. 
of getting that first place. I would have ended my whole senior year with not a win at the Rockhurst tournament because I would have just, I would have been out of high school and I would be at this age that I am right now still thinking about, oh, what if I didn't draw and then still have that game in my storage and been reviewing it like maybe I could have finessed them but I'm glad that I didn't I'm glad I didn't shy away from the fact I'm glad that I was I was the intimidator and he accepted it that's what I feel what happened and that's what you got to do and chess you got to be the bully and not physically I'm just talking about mentally psychology wise you got to be the stronger person as H1. Please don't be don't be bullying people in real life. Please don't do that. But you got to be the better person. This is the chess jokes segment. Chess jokes by H1. And the joke of today is <laughs> If you forget the rules of chess, don't worry. You're allowed to check. You get it? You're allowed to check. <laughs> okay. Yep. Let me calm down. Thank you for listening. Hey, you have to win the game. That's the only purpose in chess, unless you're teaching. But if you're not teaching and you're playing somebody competitively and you're playing somebody and you both respect each other, you have to go for the win. I don't care how you win. As long as you win, that's all that matters. And as a disclaimer, H1 has to say this. This doesn't include cheating or smack talking across the table. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about winning in a chess game no matter what no matter if you have to win on time and finesse the person i don't care you you can't you can't half do it when you're going when you're going to play chess you can't just be like ah uh, i'm I, i'll see if i can get a draw you can't go into chess like that that's the worst way of going to chess you have to strive to be better each and every game and you have to strive to play better people each and every game and be a better you each and every game even when you're playing somebody that's um less in rating than you you have to make sure even in those games make sure that you're not doing inaccuracies make sure that you're not blundering at all because you shouldn't be blundering at all against people that are lower rated than you and you thinking that, man, I can beat you easily without a queen. Well, can you beat them easily without doing any inaccuracies? If you put that game in a computer and let Stockfish and do its analysis, would Stockfish say that you did no blunders in that game? Can you answer that truthfully? 
Keep it to yourself. But I just want you to understand that you can't, you you, you always got to win. Win the game. That's the main goal in chess is to win a game. I'm sorry if somebody feelings get hurt. You got to win the game. Okay. I don't care if you give somebody, even if you give somebody a win because you started to feel bad for them and because you've been winning the whole time, you're throwing the game and that's less respectful than just getting a win. And if somebody gets mad at you just for being the best you in a chess game, then you shouldn't be playing chess with them. Not at all, because they don't understand the concept of chess and of just winning and improving yourself and bettering yourself because that's what chess is all about but anyway i mention this because i've seen a lot of people and even my students draw the game when there's a lot to play for and it's irritating like when i go to a chess tournament with my kids just recently i'm not in the tournament i was a um what's that called the person that makes sure that nobody's blundering or if somebody has a question, I, I forgot what that was called. Um, I was basically the chess tournament referee. And when I see my students play these games and they offer a draw, even though there's still minor pieces on the board and pawns to be promoted and major pieces on the board, it just disappoints me because now it's unclear. You just left an unclear board. You you left a half finished project. It's like doing a painting, but you just half do it. And then you turn in the assignment. You already know what the teacher's going to give you. They're going to give you a half done. Um, um, they're going to give you a half done grade. That's exactly what you're doing. If you leave the board not finished, you have to go tell the you got even if it's a draw. You got to go at least to the draw. Usually what happens is somebody isn't having a good day or they get intimidated by their opponent or they get really nervous and then they just offer a draw so that they don't screw it up. But that's not how you do it. That's not how you play chess. I have an answer to all this, all those things. If you're not having a good day and you offer a draw, depending on what you're not having a good day about, uh, let me say that disclaimer. Depending on what you're not having a good day about, you should be able to play still good moves if you're not having a good day. At least a, a little bit of good moves, okay? You might be distracted, but you, you got to play the game. Now, the intimidation part. You can't be intimidated of your opponent. You you got to gotta wipe that away. You got to do something to make sure that when you're playing a chess game with the fellow chess player in the beginning of the game, you start out with the same pieces, the same squares, the same number of squares, the same pencil, the same notation sheet. You're equals at that point. You're one king and, and you're the other. Okay? That your your opponent is a king and you're the other. You gotta make sure that when you approach a game, you're equals. Nobody's stronger. Nobody's better. You're equals. That's how you need to approach every single game. And when you approach every single game like this, it makes it a lot better. And then when you're playing a game like that, you're playing the best to your capability. So if you lose that game, let's say you even lose that game. At least you know that you was playing with no regrets. 
You just plan the way that you want to play. And then people that gets nervous, this comes with experience. The more you play, the more you won't get nervous. The more you play, the more you won't get nervous. And the more that you don't offer a draw straight off the bat or in the middle of the game, the more you won't screw up. And if you're screwing up in the end game, then that's something that you need to approve on when you're at home. Like, let's say you had a position, right? You don't know how to do a knight bishop checkmate. And let's say that their king, they only have a king and you have a knight and bishop and you have to do the knight bishop checkmate. And then you offer a draw because you don't know how to do it. That's a weakness that you need to make, not a weakness, but an advantage. You need to make that an advantage, showing everybody that you know how to do that checkmate. And that applies to all checkmates in the end game and all different positional avenues and strategies and tactics. You should know all these things and be confident that you won't screw it up, that you can play good moves till the end. And I'm only getting on this point because I've seen as H1, as H1, I've seen so many wins disappear from a lower rated player because they decided to draw against a a higher rated player. And it's kind of a little bit embarrassing, especially when you look back on the game after it and then you realize, oh, that's why that high rated player offered me a draw because I was winning. And I'll talk to my students. I had one student. He wasn't really my student, but I was friends with the person that he was playing. And the person that he was playing, he was like, he was close, but I offered a draw and he accepted. So I didn't have to take a loss on that. Don't accept draws. A draw is not what you're going for in chess. The win is what you're going for. If you're not going for the win, do not play chess at all. You So the three things that you need to do is not be intimidated by your opponent, no matter what their rating is or how old they are. You need to have more experience playing the game so you're not nervous. And if you're not confident into finishing the game, you need to study end games a lot more. You need to know all the draw mechanisms of the Rook King Pawn end game. So you need to know all those things so that you can be more confident the more you know because knowledge is power so the more you know of chess the more principles you know the more confidence you will have when you play each chess game This is the chess history segment by H1. And we're talking about Alexander Alakine. Now, Alexander Alakine, he earned his own right to become Grandmaster in 1914 when he was in a third spot at a tournament of all the world champions. And he became a world champion between 1927 to 1935. And he lost his world championship. But then he regained it back in 1937 to 1946. He was a beast. 
He was born on October 31st, 1892 in Moscow, Russian Empire, and he died on March 24th, 1946 at the age of 53. Thank you for listening. Each one's only going to say this once, maybe twice, maybe three times in this whole thing, because I like repeating stuff just for the emphasis of getting this in your head, in your heart, make this concrete. Don't back down. Don't back down from a challenge. I've seen so many examples of winning positions. And if they would have just played a few more moves, just a just a tiny bit, just a few more moves. They would have been bragging about not getting a draw, but actually winning against a strong opponent. And this doesn't only happen to lower rated players. This is something that happens to grandmaster. I've seen it at tournaments, winning positions. But then they're like, I, I don't know. They, they don't want to finish it or their mind just explodes and they just offer a draw. That's not how you play chess. That's that's not it. Play the play the game out. Don't back down. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's your idol. I don't care if it's Katy Perry or or Barack Obama. I don't care who it is. You got to win the game. You, you can't back down. You can't just shy be shy about it. You never settle for a draw when there are still pieces on the board to play the game. No doubt. You just don't. If there's still pieces to move on the board, if you're not out of pieces, if they're just if there isn't just two kings on the board, then you shouldn't be offering a draw. I can tell you this from my own personal experiences. I've won games and exchanged down. I've won games a whole piece down in every time control, not just bullet, every time control. Even when I'm training people, I've beat them with a piece down. Don't you expect that people are human? People blunder? Not everybody is perfect. You think somebody's going to play a perfect game? If you're a piece down, let's say you get your queen snatched in the beginning. Do you give up? Are you a person that gives up that easily? Now, I, I understand. It's a tough thing to play a game when you're a queen down. That's a lot of points to be um, down. And I feel like it's more respectful to resign those games against grandmasters. Against international masters. But if you're just playing a club member, somebody that's a thousand rating, and you're just going up the rating, the rating ladder... Don't give up. Don't give up the position. There's ways to win. You don't know if your opponent isn't going to make the next 20 moves the slowest moves possible and just lose on time. You don't know. There's a lot of variables that can happen in chess that you can win still. You're not just going to lose after you blunder. This is the thing about that. I'm going to tell you a secret. A big secret. I was going to say this in another episode, but I'm going to tell you a secret right now because I feel like it. And let me just say this. 
just to be really authentic with you. This is not even in the script that I have. This is not even in the outline. (laughs) Clearly, it's not a script because I wouldn't be saying things like this or pausing like I just did. But it's usually not the first blunder that costs you the game. Let me say that one more time. It's usually not the first blunder that costs you the game. It's actually the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth. Sometimes what happens is a player gets in their mind like, dang, I blundered. Something happened. Yeah, I blundered. And then they blunder again. And they can't stop blundering. They don't know how to stop blundering because they still focus on the first blunder. They're still focused on the first inaccuracy or they're still um, just thinking about, dang, I could have did something better. They're not in the presence. They're not in the present time of the chessboard of the position that they have now. So they just keep on blundering. And then those those second, third and fourth blunders is what gets you. Those blunders are the horrible ones that cost you the game. So the next time you blunder, do this technique. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. Do this technique. The next time you blunder, you got to get back in the present mind. So you blunder, take a breather, like for like five seconds or three seconds. Think about the position again, logically, and think about how you can defend. Get back into the chess mode. Don't stray away from thinking what you could have done. But think about what you can do in that time. Don't go to the past. Go to the future. Set your plan up at that present moment. And plus this too, if you're an exchange down and you feel like giving up, why do you feel like giving up? Okay, let's say because it could be more embarrassing when you're at a tournament and there's money on the line. And you, you blunder a piece and you're exchanged down. And you, you might be thinking, oh, snap, I just costed that much money. Uh, uh, 250 That That's a lot of money. And I'm exchanged down. I don't think I can beat them now. It's too much. And I, I was just here for the money. And I was just, I just wanted to win all my games smoothly. And I didn't want to think that much. Stop all that thinking now. Stop, stop that. Because, first of all, you should be going to a tournament to learn, not just to, I don't know, stop stop being cocky. Stop thinking that you're the best thing out there. You got to be a little bit humble. So, if you're an exchange down and you blunder, why do you resign? Think about this. What do you got to lose when you're already losing? Why not just play the rest of the moves? If there's a checkmate in the next move, I understand completely. Resign. But if there's still, if you're just an exchange down, what what are you doing? You can still play the rest of the game. You might come ahead. You might actually learn how to defend a lot more from playing those losing positions. And you might be thinking, man, Grandmasters, they always have good positions to play in. They always have advanced positions and something to play for no they don't sometimes they get those positions from very cramped seeming like losing positions 
they don't always have just they don't always come out with some fabulous position on the chessboard. They make it into what they want it to be on the chessboard. So this is what I've got to say. Fight these temptations to give up winning chances. I said this in the past segments. Until you're above 2600 rating, you do not need to settle for a draw. But let me just say that a draw isn't all bad. You can still end the game in a draw with the 50 move roll or insufficient pieces. That's that's good. That's a good way to draw the game because you played it till the end. But sometimes offering a draw or doing a three move repetition really early. Let me explain that. Doing a three move repetition really early is not the best option because you're giving away your possible win. You're giving away your possible win. What if they would have blundered if you would have continued? Why would you go into an opening where you just want to draw? Where you just want to draw? That's not what H1 does. I go into openings where there's much more to play for. And I play openings that I want to play. And I play till the end until there's insufficient pieces or I do the 50 move rule. I've seen so many Grandmaster games and you can look on even Title Tuesday on chess.com games on YouTube. There's so many players that play these um, endings to 50 move rule. And sometimes the endings are a king rook versus knight rook king. And the only person that can kind of get a win off is the person with the knight rook king. And sometimes they get a win or... They get stronger because they play the 50 move rule. They play 50 moves until the draw. And let me just explain what the 50 move rule to people that are just um, that people that are not used to chess. The 50 move rule is if the position haven't changed by a pawn move, then in 50 moves, they can de- the players can declare the draw. And the insufficient pieces is. If you don't got the right pieces to checkmate your opponent, so if your opponent just has a king and you have a king and bishop, then you don't have the right pieces to checkmate. And you can't just checkmate with the bishop, so you have to declare it insufficient pieces. And that's another draw too. As H1, when I used to go to tournaments and somebody offered me a draw, I usually just decline it especially if there's a lot more to play for and when somebody offered me a draw I usually think about that is a signal that they're either afraid of playing me or that they're in trouble or they're not comfortable with the position and I'm comfortable with every position that I want to play and the more that you train the more knowledge that you get you're going to be more comfortable in many patterns in many positions For example, I know I've talked about him once, but he is the world champion right now. Magnus Carlsen. He is known for winning drawn positions. If you look at his games or just search just that term, Magnus Carlsen winning drawn positions, they will give you games where he actually went. And I've seen it live on TV, a drawn position. He was actually, by the engine aspect, he was actually... (laughs) didn't have the best position but he turned that drawn position into a win still and not only him but many other grandmasters do the exact same thing 
Akaro Nakamura, and many others. So if grandmasters are willing to play drawn positions to the end and actually get a win, why do you think that it's okay to offer a draw? What gives you the right to make that make that decision that you understand the position so well and you understand your opponent so well that you know that you both is going to just go to a draw anyway? Are you a psychic? If you know the future, you need to come over my house because I'm trying to get rich. I'm trying to invest in the right company. (laughs) Chess is not that simple. Play those drawn positions. Play till the end. And if you play till the end, it helps you gain endurance in future matches, in future chess uh, matches. Plus, when you're playing till the end, it helps you stay calm and collected to the very end. And once you practice this, you're going to thank me. You're going to be like, man, H1, that was that was a good lesson that you showed us in this episode to have that fighting spirit, to never stop fighting. And I was on this journey once. And not only me, but other chess players are on this same journey. And if you're on this journey right now, of just staying away from draws and always having a always having a decisive game. I just want to let you know. I just want to let you know as H1 right now that you are not alone. This is the waiting room segment. Chess quotes by H1. And the quote of this episode is If you're in the end game, get your king out. Get it out. It's it should be safe. The king wants a part two. The king wants a part of the game too. Thank you for listening. Yeah, I know it's the end. H1 is sorry. I know you like listening to this. I appreciate all your support and help. And thank you. Thank you for listening. Just all the people, everybody that listens. It's just amazing that I'm at this point right now that I have so many people listening to this podcast and so many people listening to these episodes because, I, man, I just be putting my heart out, my soul out on this podcast. And I'm happy that people are learning from it. To be honest, I just have a joy into doing this. And I'm going to keep on doing this. And as H1, I'm going to progress and make this even better. And I know a lot of people have been asking to like support me even more. And if you're following this podcast, yes, you're supporting me. If you're following my social media accounts like H1 Chess on Instagram or my Facebook, 
You're supporting me. There's one more way you can support me is on Anchor. There's a listener support um, a button where you can support me each month with donations. So if you want to do that to support me more, you can. So I just want to say, if you have any questions, you can message me on Anchor or on my Instagram. And I welcome you to come back so that we can run it back with some more chess knowledge.